Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregson sits down for a conversation with a couple of teens from Heartlight. Heartlight is a residential counseling center started by Mark and his wife, Jan, that creates an arena of change for both teens and parents. Let's hear from a couple of Heartlight's teens today. Well, Annika, thanks for being a part of the program. You know, we we talk all the time about um, kids and parents and things that go on and things that people do and as, as we all wrestle through things. How did you end up coming to Heartlight? What was the issue that was going on in, in your family that somebody said, okay, we got to split up here and we got we to gotta get to Heartlight? Oh, there was a lot of issues. Like yeah. I could make a really, really long list, but I didn't know I was coming like a lot of people. Yeah. Like I found out like two hours and then I was like already here. Wow. But there was a lot of issues. A lot of them are, like, kind of hard to talk about. Because, like, a lot of stuff in my life has happened, even when I was, like, younger up until now. Really? That has been really hard to talk about. So, I mean, thing, it's, like, thing. issues that I had and that I did, because I also did a lot of, like, bad things like drugs. But most of the problems, like, weren't my fault. Yeah. But they just kind of happened. So the drug thing became just a way to deal with the things that had happened to you and stuff? Yeah. Wow. And then more bad things began to happen afterwards, and it just became like a whole mess. Yeah. Was there a part of you that thought in the mess that you felt that you were in that um, it'd be a relief to get away from home and, and start over or get a second chance or to learn about some stuff? Yeah, I love it here. But like... It wasn't my plan to come here. Like, I was wanting to get away a different way. And I had all these plans in place before I came here. Yeah. And I had all these, like, things that I was working towards. And I had two jobs. And I just now got hired for another one that I was earning all this money. And I found out I came to Heartlight. Like, all of it was just taken away. Yeah. But I really do like it here. And it's like a blessing to be here. Mm. And it really has helped a lot. How do you think it's, it's just a how, different way? Yeah, how do you think it's helped you like, like the most? What has it done for you? It really has gotten me away from a lot of the stuff, mm. and it's helped me like think about everything, and it's put me around people who actually really care about me. Where it's like before, I wasn't around a lot of people who cared about me. So that makes a difference. Yeah, it does. Do you think when you're surrounded by people that care about you, then? You don't have to manage your own life all the time. I mean, that they've got your best interest in mind sometimes, and and it works out well. Yeah, I think that. Hard for you to trust? It still is a little bit hard, but, like, it is really good to trust people, and I know how to do it. It's just that we need to be careful when we do it. Careful. Like, who we trust, and depending on each person, like... How much, like, trust, like, we give them. Yeah, yeah. Easy for you to trust? 
with some people yeah because i can tell sometimes with like the people who i think are going to be trustworthy but some people if i talk to them i get to know them then i can tell then i don't trust them yeah yeah so you just kind of avoid them yeah but i still like can trust i'm getting better at it which i like didn't used to be that great at it when you and i first met i remember the time because it was at our house and you'd come over to eat dinner and I think you'd gotten there that day or the day beforehand or something. I mean, just within the last couple of days. And you were very kind and easygoing. And I, I just sat there and I thought, this is a very pleasant girl. Sometimes you know that when people first come to us, it's not real pleasant. I mean, yeah. but it was fine. It was good. And, and uh, you know, so I, I look back on that and I go, I, I can't, I couldn't even make up anything negative about you if I wanted to. Do you see yourself that way? Well... I know I'm nice, but I really wasn't always like that. It was easier for me to be behaved and, like, friendlier here. Really? Because, like, I didn't have all the stuff I was, like, having to deal with. And when I got here, I just, like, let it all go because it was already gone. I didn't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if parents look at their kids and go, okay, um, my child's not being nice. Um... Is it me or is it the environment they're in that's creating that? You think they ask that? No. You think they probably think it's the environment more than anything than them? Probably, yeah. You think it's hard for parents to admit mistakes? Yeah. Because it is like I can see that my mom like feels terrible about some of the stuff that she's done. And I can like understand that, but she still has done it. Yeah. But I know that no parent wants to make mistakes, and she doesn't mean it, and she didn't mean to make mistakes. So that's why it's so hard to, like, admit it, because I think they do try to be, like, the best that they can be for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that there's probably not a parent that I know that hasn't made mistakes. You know, and, yeah. and it's... I mean, I, I know that to be true, because I haven't met any perfect parent... But I wonder, you know, um, it's like a mom who won't quit nagging about stuff or a dad who always keeps so busy or a, uh, a brother who just doesn't care about anybody else but themselves or a, um, you know, they're, they're kind of wired that way. And then you put them in a family and then you see the negative side of that come out. There are some people I know that can't quit looking for things that are wrong with somebody else. I mean, which is great if you're a doctor, but it's horrible sometimes if you're in a family. How do you deal with that? When you see things in your family that, you know, are just the tough things for you to hold on to, how do you, how do you deal with that? There's not much that you can do. But I remember I hung out a lot of my friends' houses mm -hmm. more than my own. And like... It was easier that way because it was really painful to be at home anyway. Yeah. And so, like, I just kind of, like, lynched on to another family. And they liked having me around because, like, I was nicer when I wasn't, like, around a lot of the stuff. And I was nicer when I wasn't, like, when I didn't, like, have any, like, pain to deal with. Then yeah. I was always nicer. Yeah. Well, I can't envision you being mean because I look at you and I go, I mean, you've always been so kind and nice. You know, and that's what everybody around here will say. And uh, you think that's environmental? 
Um, I think it's like a mixture of things. Yeah. And why I was so upset. But I remember I didn't used to be angry at one point because I, like, never showed how I felt. And then when I did realize how I felt, I had, like, all of this anger built up. And so I just felt angry all the time. So are you, are you healthier showing the anger or holding it back? Well... This is one of Mark's quick little quizzes here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because sometimes anger does help me. Because I didn't always used to defend myself, yeah. and I was, like, a complete doormat. But being angry, like, it helps, like, no one to mess with me now. But, yeah, but too so, much of it can be really bad. Yeah, yeah. But if you have the right amount, it's good to show that you're upset so that people don't do that again. Yeah, but, I, I you know, I, and it, I think it shows something else. It means you long for something different. Now, usually anger is a is an emotional response to not getting what you want. I want this, I don't have it, so now I'm angry. You know, and so anger, the presence of it, shows that you want something different. And I, I think if you want something different, it's okay to be mad about it, that you're not getting it, because sometimes that pushes you to want something more, and, and you work to get it. You know what I mean? Is that confusing? or? No, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, so I'd, I'd be more concerned if you weren't mad. If you want something different in life, and, yeah. you, and, and you'd be sitting here all smiles and everything's good, I would go, there's something wrong with this chick. You know, there's <laughs> something that's just not right. Because you have reason to be angry because you want for something more than what's yeah. before you. That does make a lot of sense. So I'm glad for your anger. I just don't want you to. <laughs> yeah. Just don't want you to push it on me. There's a, there's a scripture that says, "Be angry, but don't sin." I mean, and there's something truthful about that. It's okay to be angry. Just don't let it ruin relationships around you, you know, yeah. or control you. Because or it was before. Yeah, because I don't think you're an angry person. I think you have anger, but I mean, nobody around here goes, "Ah, Hanukkah, man, she's an angry person." Thanks. You know. Yeah, I don't think I'm an angry person either, but the stuff I was angry about, I did have a reason to be angry. Yep. So, but I didn't react very good. Yeah. Like I was supposed to. You know what? Uh, um, I've got to tell you this, that, that um, Jane and I went through counseling as a couple years ago. And when I began to tell my story to the counselor... She looked at me and she said something that was important to me. And she said, you have every reason to feel the way you do. The problem is, Mark, it's controlling you and it's determining who you are. And that's not good. So we got to figure out how to make sure it's not controlling you and it's taking you to a better place. But when she said, you have every reason to feel the way you do, something in me changed. And... Um, and maybe somebody just validated, you know, what I was feeling, and that was just good enough for me. So I guess I want to do the same for you. It's okay to be angry. Nothing thanks. wrong with that. That's a good thing. Hey, thanks for coming and just sharing your heart a bit. I know it's hard to talk about sometimes. Thanks. Cool. Two years ago, Jan and I lost our dog, Stitch who was a member of our family for 13 years and was like a third child to us. 
When she died, the comforting answers that people, well-intended as they were, didn't comfort me at all. The idea that, that our dog had crossed the Rainbow Bridge or went to doggy heaven or whatever was a little unsettling to me. It wasn't comforting, uh, and it seemed rather childish. So here's the problem. We all do that a lot. When we don't have the answers to comfort, we sometimes say things that avoid the reality of loss in our life, or we act like we have to know everything. And the truth is, we don't have all the answers. And there are times when it is far better just to say, I don't know, not a phrase one hears too much in this current culture. Queer Stitch is a religious treatise about the dealing with loss in a children's book form. It's a great book to share with kids and grandkids when they lose a pet and a wonderful story about loss and dealing with hurts in our life. To order your copy of Where Stitch, go to www.wherestitch.com. That's wherestitch.com. Aiden, thanks for being a part of the program today. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you end up at Heartlight? Um, well, originally I had some some trouble with some drug addiction problems uh, going into high school. You think everybody does? You think? I mean, if you had to look at the percentage of school people that are doing drugs or something, where would you put that percentage? Honestly, I think a huge portion of kids these days use marijuana. Yeah, just as like recreational yeah you know but i mean i guess pills are getting more popular like prescription pills and everything okay what about where you live um i'm from a small town where there's not much to do and one of the bordering cities is heavy like drugs and everything where you basically drive down the street and buy you know cocaine whatever you want okay so when did things start to spin out for you originally I spent most of my school years in like band, like marching band. I played yeah, yeah. brass instruments, and the kids who I looked up to were my brother's friends. Yeah. And so these kids I looked up to were like the best band members also. Yeah, They're yeah, great yeah. musicians and still are. And so I looked up to these guys. They went on to high school, and then I was like the top dog in middle school. But then whenever I went up to high school, I was like the freshman, and those other kids who I looked up to before were already into like – just marijuana and everything like that and so wait a minute so band doesn't keep you out everything no not at all no (laughs) i mean people used to think that well no it's not the athletic guys it's not the band guys keep people busy and everybody will be okay but i'm going it's not that way anymore it's not i mean it doesn't matter what you're doing there's going to be enough time to do something yeah yeah it doesn't take much time to go sneak behind this corner and like smoke yeah so was it when you got into high school that everything started? Yeah, I would say so because I was about 14 years old and I had never knew realistically what weed was or what... I was familiar with like meth because of like how terrifying it is yeah, yeah, and like everything yeah. like that. But yeah. just the way like the dare officer put it was like, if you smoke weed, you're, this is what your lungs look like. They're pitch black and you're going to yeah. die or whatever yeah. and go to prison. So I had like this really outlandish view of it but then compared to what other people were telling me yeah like these guys that i loved and i looked up to they're like dude it's a plant you know it's natural nothing really happens like that and so right off the bat i viewed it as okay because okay do you think you had problems before hand and then the pot and all that stuff just kind of mask 
you know, the real issues, or did problems start when you started smoking and doing other drugs? I think my whole life I had kind of a problem with low self-esteem. I didn't like how I looked, really, like my appearance. I was so, like, small and scrawny. I've gained about 50 pounds since I've been here now just from working out. I never lifted a weight before I came here, but so I was just small and weird and doing stupid things to fit in. So the drug thing just kind of fit into that, right? Yeah, it was like something where I felt that's where my role was as as the kind of outcast of the class was to just smoke. And I wanted people to actually view me as, oh, there's that guy that smokes so much and stuff like, because I had looked up to people in the media these days, like rappers. I'm a big fan of hip hop. And so whenever I see people in the media, like with like literally tattoos of pot leaves, like on their faces, then that's like, that's my icon who I look up as well. So cool. So rebellious. Like I want to be like that. Wow. Okay. So when you look back on that, what goes to your mind when you look back on that time, when you were thinking all that? Um, Now that's the misconception is that drugs equal respect and fun and stuff like that where oh the more weed you smoke like the more street cred that is but in reality i mean well what i struggle with is not necessarily marijuana because i had moved on yeah to like k2 or like synthetic weed it's pretty powerful stuff it is and it's very bad for you i had like internal damage from it just like the inside of my body was basically just failing me and I just want people to know that drugs is not just a party. That's just fun forever. Like eventually it's going to come back and bite you. You're not going to be able to get up off the couch because you're going to be like so weak and yeah, yeah. destroyed. Okay. So where was your realization where you started going, wait a minute, I can't be doing this. Well, um, I had a lot of experiences and like involvement using what most teens call it is acid, but I guess the legal term would be research chemicals, where it's, I guess, closely relatable to like PCP or LSD in some forms. But so I had a lot of experience with that. And it started off as just kind of, it was overwhelming. It takes over your brain, but it's like something that I could actually manage at first. So I felt powerful by being able to take these drugs and get away with risky things. But so at first it was a huge rush, like insane amount of just adrenaline and almost joy. It's like an artificial sense of joy, but that started to turn on me. Like the further and further I got into it, it was like the more empty I began to feel because I wanted this for myself, but it was like pointless. It was just, so it started to really turn on me and like the hallucinations and everything were just turning evil. And it's like, I was, my life was a nightmare. Wow. And so what, what clicked? Well, one night I had a very like spiritual experience with it where it was not the drugs. It was God like reaching out to me and showing himself to me. And that's what I believe to this day that that was God. And it was like scales coming off my eyes, just like biblical things were actually happening to me. Like my eyes were open. But at this time, I did not have like the strength to get away from those things. Even God revealing himself to me was not a strong enough force to pull me away and say, okay, I'm done with these research chemicals. I'm done with this K2 because I was still dependent on that. And so that's where I needed to get away physically and come to a different place. And, you know, we started doing research and everything. And so... So you say we started doing research. I mean, did you ever sit down and talk with them and say, hey, I got a problem? Yes, multiple times. I mean, um, 
I was not willing to admit I had a problem for years because I didn't think I did. I was like, yeah, I could quit whenever I want. I just don't want to because I'm only going to be young once and all this other crap that kids tell themselves. But yeah, towards the end, whenever I started having like these haunting experiences overnight, you know, just the whole stress of lying to my parents and being in places that I wasn't supposed to be, that would like really enhance the fear that I had. Yeah. That was like induced by the drugs. So it was just all these things. You think that push you more into drugs to get rid of that fear that you were living in almost a paranoia? It goes both ways, yes, yeah. because the paranoia was caused by those drugs. Yeah. And that was a thing of like, dude, I'm never doing this again. Wow. I'm so terrified right now. Never doing this again. How many times did you say, I'm not doing this again, before you really quit doing it again? Probably more times than I could count, because <laughs> I like end up forgetting those times. But yeah. at least three huge times come to mind, yeah. where I was like, dude, I'm never doing this again. I was like on the merge of a heart attack because of how scared I was. Wow. And wow. I even got abusive with one of my friends who was like basically babysitting me, wow. where I was completely out of it. And my friend was, you know, sober, and I wow. ended up just beating the crap out of him while he was asleep. He was, I was feeling threatened by a sleeping person. Like, I was very paranoid. Kind of messed up a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so you come to Heartlight. Was that the answer to everything mystical and magical and spiritual <laughs> in the world? <laughs> almost. Almost. I mean... Really? Aside from drug addiction, my second problem is my spirituality. Yeah. Because coming here... I say I was more of an atheist. Yeah. I went through a big like anti-God phase because I lost a family member of mine. My cousin passed away from leukemia at wow. a young age. Wow. And so that pretty much rocked my world. Whenever she died, I lost that sense of yeah. value in life because yeah. like, well, if God's willing to take away this child's life in a in a heartbeat, then what's like the real value in life if people just die here and there and nothing truly happens about it they're just gone from then on i was just really mad about god and i said at first it was like god's not real these people are stupid christians are stupid if they think that this is happening because there's so much happening in the world and so i said i hate christians i'm going to be the opposite and if there is a god i don't love him i want to go against him yeah and so i went through a phase of just kind of Satanism. Wow. Um, I would look at YouTube videos and read, and like I would pray to like the devil, like legitimately. And it was satisfying at the time because of how angry I was yeah. at God. Yeah. And then whenever I started doing more intense drugs, I started thinking that, well, the universe, you know, is like infinite. And so there's no real God out there. It's just a chance that we're here, which is, I mean, it's realistic, but it's just impossible. Yeah, yeah. So um, it wasn't until pretty recently, maybe a month or two, that I actually came to my senses and just just pretty much got on my knees in in my room. And I was just like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Like, wow. Ever since then, I've just been reading the Bible, praying. Everything and now, I would say that I'm a Christian. Cool. In my own little way, and well, that's a big way. Yeah, it I, is mean, a big I, way. I mean, you've come to it. You've come to it in a very real way. Yeah. Okay, so if there's parents out there that have a child like you, you know, that of what you were going through from 
seventh grade on up, you know, dealing with insecurity and now drugs and, you know, I mean, what, what could your parents have done different that would have been a help to you? Well, I think one of the hardest things that parents struggle with is just the whole thing of where, like, it takes one to know one. Like, you, yeah, I've been down this road where if my child one day, I see them straying the way that I did, I can actually talk to them one-on-one. Like, I know right. exactly what their thought process is and what they're going through. You need to understand how confused these children are yeah, yeah. and, like, how lost because of, like, the mixed messages we get through society. So I would just say take a more talkative approach and right, understanding right. because what my parents used to do is we're taking your phone for a week. Next time it'll be two weeks. And I was like, you know, it sucked at the time, but yeah, yeah. that doesn't teach you anything. So I think... Um, Spending more time talking. Yeah. And I know that can be hard because yeah. your, your kid's going to be mad and they're not going to want to admit that they yeah. can't stop. Yeah, yeah. I would say don't push religion on your children. I think that they need to come to it by themselves yeah. because nothing, at some point you teach them and then then you let them come to that point yeah. of, of realizing <clears throat> what's really going on yeah i feel like there's nothing that can truly keep you away from going back to drugs than just loving god and mm-hmm. wanting to please him i believe that's the purpose of human existence and like your life is to make god smile and just the way that you do that, that is I just. Love that. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the meaning of life is to please God because He made you for His pleasure. Wow. And you're wow. not going to please God by saying, you know, screw you, I'm going over here and doing this. Yeah. Like if you live for yourself, your own pleasure, then like you're becoming your own God, and that's a sin in itself. Wow. Wow. Well, I tell you what, Aiden, you've made God smile as we record this. I mean, that's a pretty cool story, and um, I appreciate you sharing it. Thanks for having me on. This is pretty exciting. Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, now you're going to be famous and stuff. I hope so, yeah. This is like (laughs) a little taste of Hollywood right here. Okay, cool, man. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit parentingtodaysteens.org heartlightministries.org, or markgregston.com. Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.